Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Hello? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. The voice extra rough this week, but we're going to power through. So, I have a couple of college basketball savants joining me to do some of the heavy lifting. First off, if you listen to the score for more than five minutes at a time or follow me on social media, you already know that Lawrence Holmes received a well-deserved promotion and that I'm going to be doing the night show unless the Cubs are playing at 6 or 7 o'clock. As far as early odds... Nothing's changing. The show's going to still be here every Saturday morning at 8.30 a.m., and we're going to bring a little bit of what we do on this show uh, to the night show. So that is very exciting, and appreciate all of you that reached out over the past week. Super excited about what we're going to create uh, with the night show as Lawrence moves from 12 to 2 and then 2 to 3 over on Radio.com. We'll get into that on the show later on in the week. Now to why you came. We'll have eight teams making the Sweet 16 today with our eight ball games, and five of those teams coming from the Big Ten Conference right here in our own backyard. So I figured we've got to bring in two of the best college basketball minds that I know so we can break down each of these eight contests going on today. So Eli Hershkovich from 670 The Score, you've been hearing him a lot this week, and the Action Network. And we also bring in on the phone line Greg Peterson of the College Hoops Overtime Betting Podcast. And you can also find him this weekend all over VEASAN. Sometimes he even shows up in the New York Post. Greg is on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. Eli by his name at Eli Hershkovich. Guys, let's not waste any time. This morning, they're going to tip off at 1110 in the East region. We have LSU as a two and a half point favorite against Maryland. The total is 145. Eli, your thoughts? So looking at this game from Thursday's perspective, you had an LSU team that was up pretty big on Yale in the second half. Yale with the backdoor cover. But you think about Maryland right now. And yes, their performance against Belmont, come up the comeback from 12 down. Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith had a whale of a game. And Anthony Cowan and Eric Ayala, too, sharing the ball. 
abnormally because usually they turn over the basketball a lot. We're talking about the 19.4 turnover rate for the Maryland Terps. That's 241st in college basketball. So Belmont's ball pressure doesn't create turnovers. They don't have much ball pressure to begin with. That's who Maryland faced on Thursday. Now you look at this matchup. Maryland's taken on an LSU team that, yes, I get it. They're without their head coach. We saw that not have much of an effect against Yale. LSU has the 67th highest opponent's turnover rate in college basketball, good for 20.4%. So you think about the ball pressure that's going to be on Anthony Cowan and Eric Ayala this time around with Tremont Waters, who's one of the best players in terms of two-way guys that could split the gap and create turnovers. And I get it, LSU's interior defense as well has been a bit of an issue. So Fernando and, and Smith might have some room inside to create. But I like LSU. And I agree with Eli on this one just because when you take a look at Maryland as well, not only do they turn the ball over quite a bit themselves, they're one of the worst teams in the tournament at creating turnovers. I think that that's something to look at. Anthony Cowan in that game against Belmont was absolutely awful. One of 10 from three-point range. Bruno Fernando's nice, but with LSU, you've got four men down low that are able to crash a glass. I just think that LSU has too much firepower here. All right, let's go to the second game of the day. In the Midwest, the two-seed Kentucky takes on Fletcher McGee and Wofford. We know what he can do from beyond the arc. We have the Kentucky Wildcats favored by five, total 138.5. This time, Greg Peterson, we'll start with you. This is really interesting because it looks like P.J. Washington not going to be able to play in this game. We saw Kentucky have absolutely no trouble with Abilene Christian in the last contest, but with that said, Abilene Christian was seven years ago a sub-500 team at the D2 level. So, obviously, a little bit of a step up there. With this Kentucky squad, you've got Reed Travis. Does a great job of being able to rebound for this team. Fletcher McGee and company out there at Wofford. They've got four guys that shoot over 40% from three. Cam Jackson, six foot seven, two 250-pound big man. That does a little bit of everything. But I just think that Kentucky has too much overall talent to lose in this spot. Tyler Hero at the end of the game is going to be big because he's the second-best free throw shooter in the NCAA tournament among qualified players. He shoots 94% at the free throw line. He's really able to hit his free throws. And then you just take a look at this Kentucky team in general. You're able to get rebounding from so many different areas. I just think that Wofford is going to be overwhelmed on the glass, P.J. Washington or not. How about it, Eli? No, that's a good point on the back end, Greg, because you think about offensive rebound for Kentucky, the seventh highest offensive rebounding rate in college basketball. So then you look at Wofford's side, the 39th highest defensive rebounding rate in the country. But who have they played to collect that type of percentage? A SoCon league that nearly had three teams in it, just one makes it with Wofford as the seventh seed. But again, Wofford has not faced an SEC-type talent in, in terms of battling on the glass. I get no P.J. Washington, but boys, Ray Travis going to be a load for Cam Jackson. And Jackson's a, a legit defensive big. We saw him hold up against Seton Hall's Mamu for much of that game. Miles Powell nearly brought Seton Hall back in it. And then Fletcher McGee and Nate Hoover said, let's just take over and start hitting some threes. Everyone's on the Wofford Terriers. I think Kentucky does cover on the back end in the second half. If you're looking to live bet this game, you might get a chance at a nicer price in terms of the line if you bet it first half if Kentucky gets into a trailing situation. Okay, agreement there on Kentucky. Uh, moving on to later this afternoon at about 4.15 out of the West region. Now, it didn't seem like anybody was picking Florida to move on, but they did beat Nevada. Now Florida gets the two-seed Michigan, and the Wolverines are favored by 7.5, 
total of 121. Your thoughts, Eli? Well, Eric Musselman, luckily, we do not see his wife and him on the court and her writing on his chest, like what happened after he won the the Mountain West Conference title game. So luckily, none of that. But Florida advances. And a Gators team that's intriguing because while they didn't play their best game from behind the arc, you saw a Florida team that had all the potential in the world to begin the season. I'm talking about Kevon Allen's ability to stretch the floor and attack you off the dribble. Jalen Hudson also had one of his better offensive games of the season. And Andrew Nimhard, the, the point guard of this Florida Gators team, the, again, they have other ball handlers with Hudson and Kevon Allen. But I think they could give Michigan a bit of an issue in terms of attacking the paint. For the Gators' backcourt, we saw this come into play against LSU. While LSU has a, a much bigger lineup like Michigan does up front with Brasdakis and Teske, I think Florida can cover this spread around seven. All right, our first dog of the day. Now, Greg, are we going three for three in agreement? Oh, we are agreeing here. I have Florida <laughs> advancing the Sweet 16 in my bracket because what we've seen out of this team is they've gotten a little bit of an emergence from some of their lesser guards. With Florida, this is a team that all year long has been reliant on the three, but I really like the way that they've had some guys step it up. They're able to hit some threes. Andrew Nemhart does a good job at the point guard spot. He has an assist-to-turnover issue greater than two, but the guy that's really emerged, Jalen Hudson. Jalen Hudson, at the beginning of the year, was anemic. He was the biggest disappointment out there in the SEC, in my opinion. Ever since, I would say mid-February, he's really been chipping in some good production. He's been averaging double digits in almost all the team's games. He's really been pouring in that three-point shooting. I think that Kavarius Hayes is going to be able to match up with John Teske down low. And with Michigan, you just don't know what you're going to get out of the three-point shooting. Guys like Isaiah Livers, Jordan Poole, Charles Matthews, they're unreliable. And I know that Florida's a little bit hit or miss themselves, but I really do like the way the Florida defense is playing too. You know, Greg, I always mess with Eli that you guys are the same person a uh, couple of college hoops head. You guys are picking every single game, and uh, look at you. Three for three agreements so far. That's what we're about, Joseph. <laughs> You've got early odds on Sports Radio 670 The Score. My name's Joe Ostrowski. Uh, in studio, we've got Eli Hershkovich, our in-house college hoops expert, also works for the Action Network. And on the horn, Greg Peterson. He hosts the College Hoops Overtime Betting Podcast. Okay, now to our fourth game. Greg, I'm going to go to you here. It is a 4-12 matchup. Florida State is favored by five against Ja Morant and Murray State. The total in this one, 144. Doesn't this just have the feel of another game that Florida State is going to win but not cover? That is the M.O. of Leonard Hamilton this year. You just notice this Florida State team, they just don't do anything for me at the end of games. They just seem to run really disjointed plays. I remember it cost them that game against Duke earlier this year. This is a Florida State team that they've got a lot of length around the perimeter. I don't anticipate Phil Colfer to play in this one. For one, he was dealing with a leg injury, and two, it's sadly his father died. That's obviously a really bad situation, but getting back to the task at hand, what I do like out of this Murray State team is the fact that they are one of the top ten teams in the country in regards to guarding the three-point arc and being able to make their two-pointers on offense. It's more than just John Moran. We've seen Shaq Buchanan chip in right around 13 points. Tevin Brown was able to make four threes against Marquette. Overall, as a team, I really like the way that Murray State is rounding together because they do play such good defense. And for Florida State, also a good defensive team. Terrence Mann shoots over 40% from three. You've got guys off the bench who are able to give this team some production. They're very deep, but what are you going to get out of guys like MJ Walker and guys like that, P.J. Savoy, 
I just feel like it's a big question mark. And Trent Forrest, though he does a good job of not turning the ball over, does nothing for me offensively. All right, G-Unit on Murray State getting the points. Eli? This is where it ends, Greg. This is where we finally disagree on something. I know we look alike on Twitter. I know Joe always calls me out on that. (laughs) Not only do you guys make similar picks, but you guys look alike. So are you the same person? I'm going to make sure that we're not the same person right here. I got Florida State covering this line. The biggest issue that no one is talking about because, oh, John Morant had this fantastic game against Marquette. Seven turnovers. Seven turnovers against a Florida State team that will make you pay if you turn over the basketball, especially from your primary ball handler. Florida State had the 68th highest opponent's turnover rate in college basketball, good for 20.4%. With Terrence Mann and Phil Kofer, and how about Kevin Gelly, too? That is one of the most athletic bigs in college basketball. You let him get on the open floor, a guy who could handle the ball and stretch the floor. I get it. Murray State has a good perimeter defense. But they also don't shoot lights out like they did against Marquette from downtown, and they missed a lot of bunnies. Murray State did not face this kind of length against the Golden Eagles either. I like Florida State. While it might be a three-point game at the half, one way or the other, they're going to cover this game. All right, our College Hoops experts split on that one. Let's go to the largest point spread of the day. Top seed of Gonzaga, a 13-point favorite over the 9 Baylor. This total is set at 148. What say you, Eli? You think about controlling the pace, right? Because Gonzaga has the sixth highest adjusted tempo in the country. And by that, I mean you're talking about 14.6 seconds per possession. And that's because Gonzaga wants to push the pace, get Zach Norvell on in transition from deep, which they weren't able to do in the West Coast Conference title game against St. Mary's, get Rui Hachimura and Brandon Clark around the basket. Now, for Baylor's defense, while they do have their length up front after losing their big man Tristan Clark earlier in Big 12 play, In fact, right at the beginning of Big 12 play, you still have some length up front. They've still given up the 52nd lowest two-point clip in the country for a Gonzaga team that owns the highest two-point percentage in college basketball and the 35th highest scoring rate in that department. I just think Gonzaga's going to be able to control the pace in this one. Okay, Eli keeps eating that chalk. What do you think, Greg? I'm eating the chalk as well. I really like this Gonzaga team. I think that they are on a mission. I think that too much was made out of their loss against St. Mary's a few weeks ago. And this is a Gonzaga team that has so much firepower. And now they have Killian Tilly back as well. A guy that last year, six foot ten, stretch player that was able to average 13 points, shoot 47.9% from three. That's a weapon. You've got Rui Hachimura and Brandon Clark doing all that they do. Gonzaga, number one team in the country in regards to offensive efficiency. Number one team in the country in regards to two-point shooting percentage. Baylor, we saw them go bombs away from three against Syracuse, 16 of 34. This Gonzaga team going to do a much better job on them at being able to guard the arc defensively. Baylor, they look a little bit healthier with Mackay Mason and Keegan Clark. That's obviously a good sign. But with this Gonzaga team, I just think that top to bottom, you just have too much firepower. I just don't know how Baylor is going to be able to not just cover this number, but stay within single digits, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys here. And uh, Gonzaga was my pick to win the title. Unfortunately, I don't have a future on them. One of the few teams I don't have a future on. Let's go to 645 this evening in the East region. Tom Izzo doesn't like it, but a couple of Big Ten teams matching up. The two seed, Michigan State, favored by 10 over the 10. Minnesota, total in this one, 143. Go ahead, Greg. This is a little bit of a revenge spot here for Minnesota. Minnesota has been incredibly inconsistent from the three-point arc, but 
this is a spot where I've got to take the points. you got to think that Minnesota's going to be able to hit a couple threes against Michigan State. We saw Bradley be able to do that themselves. They were able to get Darnell Brown going in that game. I think that in this one, Gabe Kelsher is going to be a difference maker for Minnesota. He shoots nearly 40% from three. Amir Coffey himself has really improved as the season has went along in regards to his shot selection. He's still not shooting the highest rate for Minnesota, but at the same time, he just seems to be doing a little bit of a better job of picking his spots where to really take those three-point shots. And then down low, I do like the fact that you've got Daniel Oturu and Jordan Murphy. Both these guys do a good job on the glass. I think that Nick Ward is going to have his hands full with those two guys. So I do think that that is an advantage for Minnesota. I don't think they're, they're going to be able to pull off this outright win, but when you're taking a look at the line being right around double digits, depending on where you look, I think this is a spot where you got to take the points here with the Gophers. Go ahead, Eli. Our second split of the morning. Let's go. See, Greg, this reminds right. me of <laughs> this reminds me of if you go back to the Big Ten tournament semifinal. You saw Minnesota play really well against Purdue. Amir Coffey had a night. Minnesota's defense was able to slow down Carson Edwards. But the big thing for Minnesota is they haven't been able to put that string of games together, or at least two games together of good three-point shooting. This is one of the most inconsistent three-point shooting teams in college basketball, while Michigan State's defense isn't aiming to force turnovers. So Minnesota's offense won't face as much ball pressure as they did in the Big Ten Tournament semifinal against Michigan, which really hurt their offense. Minnesota's bread and butter is inside the arc still. And Michigan State gives up the 48.8% scoring rate from inside the arc, good for 205th. We're talking about an above-average scoring defense in terms of defensively, not not what they're giving up. And also they're giving up the third lowest two-point clip in the country at 41.3%. Xavier Tillman's impact in the starting lineup after Nick Ward's hairline fracture means a ton to this game because Xavier Tillman will start off one-on-one against Jordan Murphy. I also expect Michigan State to start off a lot hotter in this one than they did against Bradley. You look offensively for Michigan State, Minnesota giving up the 28th highest two-point scoring rate in the country, and Michigan State, when they run through their bigs with Tillman and with Ward, especially with Ward now coming off the bench, you have to think he's going to be a little bit more in shape than he was against Bradley and back in the Big Ten tournament. Cassius Winston, the X factor here, as he is in all matchups for the Spartans. Sparty rolls. Early odds on 670, the score with Joe Ostrowski. I've got my two college hoops experts, Eli Hershkovich in studio, Greg Peterson on the phone. Now let's get to the last two games here of the evening. We have the Purdue Boilermakers, favored by four over Jay Wright and his Villanova club. They are a six seed. The total in this one is 137. Go ahead, Eli. Tell me about how Carson Edwards is going to shoot Purdue out of this one. You know, he just might. <laughs> uh, he, really good performance against Old Dominion on Thursday to get Purdue to the round of 32. Old Dominion not really posing a threat for much of that game. The most interesting part of this game, I'm actually going to lay off this matchup. I'm not going to okay. give you a pick on either side because both three-point defenses have been giving up a ton of points to the opponent's perimeter shooting. For Purdue's defense, they want to control the pace. They want to get out and run the floor. Villanova wants to control the tempo. When you look at that three-point defense for both sides, though, both teams love to shoot the three. I get it. Villanova might be a little more gassed after their Big East tournament title run, while Purdue was a one-and-done in the Big Ten tournament. But the three-point shooting issues defensively for both sides, while both rely on the three a ton, I expect there to be a lot of three-point shooting in this one. I expect the total to go over. I'm laying off the spread, though. All right, Eli likes the over 137. Go ahead, Greg. This is a really interesting 
tough spot for me as well. But when you do look at Villanova, this is a team that did make it to the national championship a couple years ago, but they do rely so much on three-point shooting. This game is just completely predicated on is Villanova going to be able to hit their threes or are they going to wilter a little bit? But with that said, I just don't have any faith in Purdue whatsoever either. Carson Edwards, he averages 19.1 shot attempts per game. He shoots for the year, 33.8% from three. At least he did coming into the NCAA tournament. Purdue, I know they got the win against Old Dominion, but that Old Dominion team shot 27% from the floor. They were the worst offensive team in regards to two-point shooting in this entire NCAA tournament. With Villanova, I think that they're going to be able to light it up from three a little bit. And when you take a look at what you're getting down low from Purdue, Nogel Eastern and Grady Eifert, they pull in a couple rebounds. They don't strike for Jeremy. What are you going to get out Matt Harms? I'm not completely sure. I have to go with Villanova here. I like the experience. I think that they're just going to really make Carson Edwards a bit uncomfortable on the defensive end. I think that they're going to be able to get their tempo as well because Villanova, even though they take a whole bunch of threes, they really slow down the tempo in their game. And, fellas, the last game of the night at 840 out of the Midwest, a 4-5 matchup between Kansas and Auburn, and it's the only game that has the lower seed Auburn, the favorite. They are favored by two and a half, a total of 148. Greg, you take this one first. This is a really tough call just because you've got a complete toss-up here between Kansas and Auburn, in my opinion. Kansas has the best pure player in this game in Dedrick Lawson. We saw him go 3-5 from three-point range against Northeastern. He has been the heart and soul of this Kansas team. But with Auburn, you have a team that relies so much on the three-point shot and they really don't have a lot of rebounding. What I will say for Auburn, though, they are getting Austin Wiley back. We saw him play quite a few minutes against New Mexico State. I think that could be the difference maker because Quentin Grimes has been so wildly inconsistent and has underachieved this year. Marcus Garrett coming off the bench looks good for Kansas, but we've seen him have his woes. I just think that the combination of Bryce Brown and Jared Harper a little bit better for Auburn. And Auburn does a great job of being able to force turnovers. One of the best teams in this entire tournament at in regards to steal rate, and I think that that defense is going to win out in this one. I think that Auburn is going to be able to turn over Kansas. I think that backcourt is going to be able to get out and run, so I'm going to take Auburn in the spot. All right, I know Eli likes to hear that. Go ahead, Eli. Of course I do. I got a future on Auburn. Got them winning this game as well. Greg and I are back on the train together, baby. You think about Auburn's three-point shooting. Number one, they have one of the highest three-point attempts per game across college basketball. And that translates to the seventh highest three-point scoring rate offensively. And then you think about Kansas, while their three-point defense percentage-wise has been solid, they give up the 52nd highest three-point scoring rate to the opposition. So if Auburn's able to control the pace because while Kansas wants to speed it up as well, they want to slow it down at times too, play a little half court with Dotson, get the ball to Lawson on the block. We saw them do that against the Kansas State team while Kansas State wanted to slow down the pace. Kansas showed the exact same strategy right back at their conference rival when they beat him at Allen Fieldhouse late in the conference season. Auburn's able to roll because of their ability to control the tempo in this one, and that comes with hitting threes. You guys agreed on Auburn, Gonzaga, Florida, Kentucky, and LSU. Uh, Eli, is there one that stands out as the strongest play today? I like Florida plus seven in this spot a lot. Greg, go ahead. 
I also like Florida. I do think that the Gators should be able to, at the very least, cover this game, if not win it outright. Excellent. Greg is at GUnit underscore 81 on Twitter. Check out the College Hoops Overtime Betting Podcast and watch and listen to him on VEASAN this weekend. Eli Hershkovich on Twitter by his name. And, of course, you catch him here on 670 The Score and read his fine work on the Action Network. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Best of luck with your plays over the next two days as we go from 32 down to 16 teams. Keep it here for Inside the Clubhouse coming up next. I will talk to you on Thursday evening after our Cubs opening day postgame. I'm Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.